Welcome to the Let It Bleed podcast, a place where you can hear the liquor-fueled ramblings of two narcissistic wizards who conjure the essence of inspirational people every week and bring it straight to you. Just how do you plan on doing that? Magic. Motherfucker. And now for the wizards themselves, David Amaya and Phil Arroyo. What up, dude? What's going on, man? Oh, man, it has been... It has been a crazy, awesome, good week, uh, as usual. But uh, we just—I I feel like I have have borne the brunt of like the energy that you've put out into the universe there, because I' not feeling so hot myself. Yeah, I can tell. A little sicky on the sick end, so I'm gonna try my best to sniffle away from the mic this episode. <laughs> well, no promises. Oh man! Uh, you but I to... hear you've been busy. What's going on? Yeah, I'm glad that I'm I'm on this end over here. We're doing this over the phone, so I don't get your diseases over there. You got to take some the best. take some elderberry, man. That shit'll help you. Vitamin C and elderberry. That's all you need. Anyways, what the, do I have to go on a quest for that shit? What the fuck? Are the elderberry. <laughs> yeah, I'll get lemmingwings to meet up with you, and then you guys can okay. find your way out. <laughs> all right, all right, no, but I got plus four to dexterity and endurance. So <laughs> I'm feeling ready for this fucking episode, man. Let's roll. Uh, uh, a critical role. I don't know enough about Dungeons and Dragons to keep this thing going. So, <laughs> what you been up to? <laughs> well, glad you asked. So we just had our season finale of Mutate this past Friday, and it was awesome. It was at a new venue, um, at this place that I used to go party at when I was like eighteen, and <laughs> have my friends club like club stars. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was actually a really cool club. It was uh, it used to be at the time it was called uh Club Moscow. It was like on Wednesday nights and it was kind of like they play like indie, new wave and like disco, like just kind of I don't know, just an uh, an eclectic mix of music, but it was like super hipsterish and uh this time around uh you know, it was a nice surprise to find out that we we're doing it there cuz the layout is different. We had two stages, one outside and one inside that were both just completely going off. I felt like, you know, there were a lot more people than usual or at least a lot of new faces, people that I haven't seen along with uh, you know, the the regular players, but it was just fun, man. It was just a blur. And of course, That's awesome, man. So you had a bit you had a big turnout for the last episode. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was the biggest headliner that we've had so far, Thriftworks. Um, and oh, that's I, right, yeah, you guys had Thriftworks, and so I'm sure you had a little bit of a boost there. Well, it was kind of funny, because I didn't even recognize him, you know, I like, I don't keep up with appearances as I well mean, as other people yeah, do, and, you know, the last time I had seen him, like, and paid attention to what he looked like, he had long hair, um, and anyway, um, so apparently, because where we were, uh, the cast and everybody were upstairs, and that was like our area but it was also the area that like the DJs were up there hanging out and performing and so we were sharing like a spot but there really wasn't any uh line that you know was that you could see like any visible line like not to cross over into but so at some point when I was pretty sure you crossed it well yeah we were over there and like just at this like little bar area that happened to be his and it happened to be him behind the bar and I was like asking him like for his own tequila so just, and I was just like, oh, what's up? Because he was also wearing glasses, too. You know, it was a costume thing. So uh-huh. we're all dressed up. And 
you know, I'm pretty, I'm just on a great one, you know? And I was just like, yeah, you, I, I'm pretty sure I said something to the extent of like, oh shit. Yeah. You're here to see thrift works. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, dude, I'll bet, I'll bet low key. He's stoked on that. You know, well, I'm he, sure he knows he's not going out and getting recognized and shit all the time. But if he like hears that organically or something like that, like that's gotta be good for him. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of more worried that he'd be like, uh, this will like is dumb and doesn't like obviously know who I am sort of thing. But who knows? If he get an ego like that. Fuck that guy. No, I, I, from what I understand, he doesn't. And he didn't. I, I heard he was actually really cool. Um, and everything with the way he... He, he did was. have me thrown out for saying that, but, you know, otherwise... <laughs> no. They tell me he's cool. No, no, he was. they said that he was really a pleasure to work with, which is not always the case with certain people. I'm not going to get into that, not going to get into who's oh, yeah. what. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was great. And then, you know, the next night, after going home and getting home at 6 a.m. from that, and then going to work, I probably should have, like, taken it easy, but... Ended up, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, uh, it was Jamal's birthday, as I had mentioned before, and uh, just a couple of us, a few of us over at his uh, place with Sarah, and then you know, just that was that was some fun stuff that I'm I'm gonna spare everybody else details on. But we we had a Jimmy Jam, just rocked out, and the then the <laughs> the next day was really really struggle bus. Okay, so I was trying to get to work, I. <laughs> I ended up getting home from after all that, you know, we, we spent the night over there. We didn't, weren't supposed to, when we came home, I slept for a few hours, uh, after I was kind of feeling good that morning. I had, I got a, I had a beer. So the hair of the dog kind of like set me back into it and I was feeling, you know, relatively good. Came home, slept a little bit and woke up like really struggling to get to work. just like really like thinking, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? You know? And I get to work only to realize I'm not scheduled. And it was like the dopest thing because I just like went to in and out <laughs> just like chilled. And then I found out, well, hey. That was my favorite story because you yeah. were supposed to be here. Then you're like, fuck, I got to go to work. I'm like, okay. Oh, Which, and now that you tell me all this, I'm willing to forgive that you only told me an hour after you were supposed to show up that you weren't going to show up. Oh, totally. Yeah, I because <laughs> I was knocked out, like just passed out and like, woke up and I saw these texts and I was like oh man and I mean I saw the one from her too like she's like shit I just saw this I could do 3.30 anyways I was like fuck all that worry about that later it was such a relief but then you know after that uh, everybody I was like I'm just gonna go home and sleep and it was one of our friends going away they're they're moving out of state and so like they had they happen to be having their party that day. You need and so, less friends. This is your problem that I'm seeing here. Yeah. People like you too much. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I think that they just like give me those pity invites and I show up. But anyways, we go and we hang out. And it was really cool because I took it. I was sober that night and just had like some real sincere um, interactions with a really, really solid core group of friends that like. You know, it was it was something different, something unique uh, and special uh, to really just get out there. And I've discovered some more um, of like what I might be getting into with flow, because as I was saying, I want to get into some form of flow. And I was trying to pick, figure out what prop I wanted to start with. So I think the dragon staff is probably going to be the one that I invest in. But anyways, what's that, the uh, difference between a staff and a dragon staff? So 
there's the contact staff and then there's the dragon staff and they're both weighted but the dragon staff has like the flame the spokes at the end whereas like the contact staff is just like one like kind of big flame on each side the the um dragon staff is the one where like it just rolls different the momentum of it how it rolls down because of the way that it's weighted like it, it like has, juts out. Is that the one that juts out a little bit, like on the ends there? That's the one that they have uh, the three different, um, like little. Uh, I guess what do they call the freaking thing that? Uh, yeah, little things. The little things. Out. The little things that you put okay, on fire. No, I yeah. I have it in my head, and I don't know how to describe it either. And so you, you know, that's the one where you really like, kind of just like roll your arms, and they roll off of it, and so it goes up and down, yes, and like, yes, you know, one. and it spins around. And it's, it's not just like twirling it around with your wrist. You know, there's definitely using your whole body to kind of really like get this thing to move. Anyway, uh, that is something that I was having a little bit of fun with. So, yeah. Right on, man. Was it on fire or just it, like the practice <laughs> non-fiery one? Uh no, it was it was at a friend's house this time. They didn't they weren't really big on the fire thing, but soon by this no, by not? the by the Tell burn. Don't mean such pussies. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, let me do it. I got plenty of experience. I've been doing this all 10 minutes. I got it down. <laughs> I'm fucking But you know what? I've seen so many people do it and like I it's kind of like when I went bungee jumping and there was just like a, on fire. Oh, there was just yeah, a bungee jumping on fire. <laughs> just like dip in the water at the bottom of the bridge. No, I, I went Holy shit, wait, that actually sounds intense and dope as shit. I know, right? Just like Whoa, set your hair on fire wait, and then but dip then it. you but then you like hit the water at that speed and that'll probably kill you. Okay, never mind. It was fun for a second while that fantasy lasted. <laughs> that probably would. Yeah. Uh you know, Actually, I don't know. I I don't know about that. I don't I don't want to even start getting into that. But it was I like what I went. Probably work at the physics. But hey, I'm willing to try. It. Light me on fire and push my ass off. Let's. The see point of happens. this was when when you go bungee jumping the way I did. I had the opportunity to volunteer to go first, and I didn't, which is a big mistake because then I ended up behind, you know, probably like a hundred people, and for the amount of time it takes them to, I think it's like two people that they're like loading up or is it one person? I'm not even sure. Like they're just, it's, I don't remember, but you had to wait behind all these people. So by the time you go to jump, you've seen so many people do it. You're just like, eh, it's not really that bad anymore. Like you're just not scared because you've seen so many people do this and just succeed and not like have any problems. So that was kind of the way I feel like about fire now where I've just seen all my friends literally like have fire, like rubbing up against their skin for amounts of time that I'm like, you're, you should be burning like they don't i don't i don't get it that's dude but it's a thing that was some perfect metaphoring right there like (laughs) i fucking absolutely get that feeling even though i don't have that association with fire fucking well done thanks man oh man well so you know one time i mean fucking people get crazy when it's like jumping off of shit like that because i've been in that situation a bunch of times and like there was a few years ago at uh, Comic-Con where we used to do a thing for Assassin's Creed where we had this, like, obstacle course, you know, like a American Ninja Warrior kind of thing. Oh, shit. And we had a section that was the, you know, the leap of faith in Assassin's Creed? It's kind of a famous move or part of that where the, the you know, the assassin is, like, on the top of a really tall building or something like that. And You're- then he jumps off and does a dive into a big bale of hay. Only through commercials, which happens to be one of the games that I said to myself, like, if I played, 
video games, this would be one of them. But no, I do. Okay. I don't so, know. Like it's it's so kind of famous enough thing to where I feel like I can mention that, and actually a lot of people would get that. And so we had um, we had a, a like a high jump onto like a big inflatable thing going on. And I forget how many feet it was, but it was pretty high up. It was like jumping from like four stories off a building onto one of those big inflatable mats that you see like them do movies and stunts and shit with. Sure, sure. But the thing is, is that like you can't, in order for it to like, you know, be the right uh, pressure to like protect you, you cannot land on that straight down. Because if you land straight up and down, that is like your you know, all of your body weight and all of your gravity being focused onto that one spot. It's, it's physics, you know, you got to spread it out. Right. Hmm. And so, and so you, you want to be laying like, you know, face or uh, flat on your back. That's the idea or close to it. Cause if you're too stiff, you're going to go straight through that thing and you're going to break a leg. Okay. Like some people did, you know, <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. People, I mean, you can tell them that they can they can watch and and also our thing was that like if they hesitated like if they didn't go if they were like taking a minute with it we wouldn't let them go because if you're that scared you're probably going to be too scared to remember to at least try to even out or halfway even out like by the time you're going and so fuck i can imagine like because i've seen the way the way that ends up playing out and yeah, shit, I can imagine that whole bungee jumping thing, but I kind of did feel that because I was watching people do it all day long. I'm like, oh, okay, this one's, it's probably not bad. Yeah, you know? that seems a lot more sketchy, the way you're describing it. I mean, you would think that after one person breaks their leg on it, they're kind of like, yeah, this isn't like as worth it for us because this liability is just too high. You know, like... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, it's like we had like a lot of stuff out there. Like, you know, people were signing waivers and waivers and waivers and saying, hey, hey, like, this will happen. Like, you, this will happen if you do this, so you need to do this, stuff like that. If you don't think you can do this, do not go on here. Like, giving everybody the warnings. And it's like, you know, 6,000 people try and one did. So it's like, well, you know, not to poo-poo any of that. Anyways, we're getting into shit I probably shouldn't talk about anyway. So, hey, moving <laughs> on. Um, oh, man. Go ahead. How about them Yankees? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? I don't fucking know about. I don't even I don't know, know about. I just know I don't, fucking lost. I don't know about Los Doyers either. I don't know about any of yeah. these teams. The Angels, any of these guys. Why? I don't no, care. I don't about. give a fuck about them. I only give a fuck about basketball. And basketball is a fucking flaming shit show. I don't know how much you do. You follow any of that stuff? To be honest with you, man, I haven't followed any of that stuff in quite some time. Oh man, because basketball, uh, that is cool to hate uh, LeBron James now. Uh, I felt like it was always. I felt like it was always cool to hate him, though. Apparently, it was cool for a while, and then it was like, nah, you cannot deny LeBron James is just a powerful like force for good in the community and shit like that. Kind of around the time he was starting to get done with the Heat and went back to the Cavs and won them a bunch more uh, uh, championship rings, like that was, you know. And then around the time uh, he was in, what's that Amy Schumer movie? Um, shit, what was it called? All these things that I don't know anything about. But he was in an oh, Amy man. Schumer movie? Yeah, he was in an Amy Schumer movie with her and Bill Hader, and it was great. Oh, a train wreck. That's what it was called. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and, and LeBron James, that was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. He was like, he was so charming and delightful and like a genuinely good actor and had great like comedic timing and shit like that. I'm like, okay, LeBron James, I see you. And he has a great uh, HBO show too. 
And so I'm like, so what did you do? Did you just go slam dunk some kids or what? Get to the what did LeBron James do? Slam dunking kids? He's worse than slam dunk. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. We talked about um, uh, South Park and China and what they were doing with the NBA uh, last week, I believe, right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, for sure. Uh, no, I don't know about the NBA. I do. I do recall the whole like I, them we did talk banning about China. China. Yeah, yeah, they're banning. And South so Park. the NBA was another part of that. Somebody, one of the uh, uh, head coach, uh, or was it an owner? Anyways, he he tweeted out something about uh, you know, in in support of Hong Kong and the protests going on over there, and China just came in fucking hard, saying that they were going to, uh, uh, you know drop the nba from all the games in china and they weren't they were going to rescind their invitations to like play uh open like preseason games over there and stuff like that right which is a tradition and it's a huge market for them right mm-hmm. and so china like like we've talked about before not fucking around with this whole hong kong protest thing and so the nba was probably the biggest one that they strung on which was really really disappointing to me because i'm like damn you know you would think that people like you know the nba who hosted like lebron like lebron would never stand for this shit and then lebron went out there and was like yeah i just think it's selfish of people to just tweet whatever's on their mind shit like that not think about everybody else going on i'm like what the fuck lebron really and so everybody's just kind of turned on him quick and i've been seeing memes all week that are like uh uh chairman mal lebron uh fucking uh, and what was the other one? Was it LeBron? No. So basically, dude's just trying to protect his money. That's just. Oh what, yeah, it was yeah. King James. That's right, Q I N G James. Oh. And I thought that shit was fucking funny, but um, yeah, man, that was uh, it was kind of disappointing to see. Uh, yeah, no, it when it came down to it, we felt the words about the people with the money. It's like. I don't know. It's really hard because I, I empathize with their position and shit like that. Yeah, I don't. And I don't really know. That fucking I, sucks that the government of a foreign government is bullying, you know, American people into doing shit. But at the same time, it is kind of disappointing because I wouldn't have expected that from him of all people. I so, wouldn't have known. I wouldn't. I'm have, not off the LeBron train or anything like that. But uh, that was just in the news this week. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't. I. I wouldn't have really known to hold him up to such high regard, or like you know, uh, put it past him to do something like that. Because, I mean, not saying I. I definitely don't think that it's okay at all. Because I mean, if he's, if like, I. I don't even know anything about it, but I could definitely <laughs> picture someone like LeBron doing that but again i don't know him i don't have i didn't have that kind of look i don't know him either i didn't have that kind of like view of of him as like uh you know just an all-around stellar person um because from what i remember it was always people hating on him uh before because we're but that's also because we're from like fucking the west coast and you know we were on the lakers oh you can probably go back and and like listen to episodes like earlier in this show where i've talked about how much i hate lebron but i have gone through a lebronissance and i have come on (laughs) the other side a lebronissance and i had a lot of respect for the man you know you got to respect the talent the skill. He went back to Cleveland. Like he put his work in. He did a lot of shit to earn that hate. I think at the beginning, but over time, you know, it's been enough time, and he's been doing good for long enough to where I like LeBron. Now I'm back to kind of feeling all right about LeBron. 
Yeah, so he he sold out. He gave in to the Chinese dictators. What if they get us, dude? What if they come to us and they're like, okay, we are going to ban... I'm not even going to get into that. That's going to just sound That's fucking exactly racist. That's exactly the point. That's like, just going to sound fucking are, terrible. Yeah, don't do the <laughs> voice. Fuck, yeah. That's fucking problematic. That's oh, man. Fucking... I forgot what year it was. Jesus Christ. I didn't even stop you. Yeah, you I'm know losing what? my edge, man. Well, you gotta give well, I, some I sort of high. voice to Chinese. Too high. You gotta give some sort much. of. You gotta give some sort of exaggeration to chi- like a Chinese dictator, though. I mean, come on, like to like. Okay, ones if, that are- if we're gonna do Chinese dictator, we can do Xi Jinping. But uh, famously, people say that he looks like Winnie the Pooh, and that drives him fucking insane. And so, literally, Winnie the Pooh was banned in China. Like <laughs> and anybody, anything that has Winnie the Pooh on it, illegal in China. Famously, actually, like, one of these dissidents, like, the last... Uh, it's sad and kind of, like, funny because he went out with his middle finger, but with the, this very high-level uh, dissident, you know, kind of the last photo of him that was taken that he knew was going to be the last photo of him was him and his wife, like, drinking tea, and on his tea was a picture... Uh, the cup of tea was a picture of, like, Winnie the Pooh. I, so I just... It was like... Wow. Yeah, one last, like, middle finger to Xi Jinping. Oh man! And I, and yeah, no, I, I can't be giving enough of them to him. But if the government of China decides to sponsor the show for twenty-five million dollars a piece, I'm not gonna lie. I'd probably change my tune. And LeBron's making making way more than that. So, oh, I don't know. Get your paper, kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's just funny because when you hear stories of things like that, like. It's. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised with some how some extreme people in our country, like people that might support Trump, because if they actually like like the way he does things, because he's getting shit done, or he doesn't take no shit from, you know, the government, or blah blah blah. Like, like I remember a story of of Kim Jong Il before he passed away, uh, that he like made smoking. Rest in peace, a, the god. He 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 made smoking illegal because he wanted to quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought when I heard that I was like oh, that's a shit. true that's like so gangster like you that know? is funny as hell <laughs> I mean it's like the least I mean, of people thought he never pooped you yeah know? it's the least of the problems that those people have down there and I'm not trying to make light of that but that's like that's probably that's... all they have is smoking <laughs> what a fucking asshole well, like my... the only thing they look forward to in their their the fucking hellscape they live in is being able to have a goddamn cigarette at the end, at the end of the day and then he bans it and makes it illegal because he wanted to quit uh, <laughs> oh man oh man but uh yeah so anyway that was just a, a side uh thing about about these uh how some people might view the radical yeah. extreme shit that these uh people do and it's kind of it's crazy to see like I, I started watching um I started getting more back into back into Mr. Robot because you were saying it was really good. Still mm-hmm. on season three, um, I've you know it's it's kind of hard for me to get back into the show at the, to the same level that I was just because you could tell after watching so many other shows like it's it it's a USA network show <laughs> like you know it's not uh, it's really? not you think so oh yeah See, to me, dude. that's the one that like breaks the mold because I I think that show is so wholly unique that I. I you know, don't get I mean, me that wrong. Is, that's on the level with don't like, get, a lot of these things. Don't get me wrong. There are certain aspects that are creative and, and unique and, and very original in the way that they shoot and kind of like just stylistic. It, it's cool. But then after a while, the you know, the first few seasons or the first couple seasons are amazing. 
but then the third season I feel like it kind of just becomes I don't know for me the writing kind of becomes mundane and becomes unbelievable especially certain scenes when you have like the leader of the dark army you know arguing with the CEO of E-Corp loudly you know at like this charity ball event thing just the way that it's shot I don't know there's just certain things that don't you know look as realistic or seem as practical like seem like they would actually happen it just kind of seems and also like a character like Tyrell Wellick how you know there's points where he's just extremely confident and has this plan and you really feel that like he's gonna have so much more of a major like point in all of this but then it comes down to well at least where it's at right now with what I'm seeing you know it reverts to him just kind of being uh basically just like a scared little bitch puppet you know he's and mm-hmm. and uh there's just certain things like that uh, and I, I don't know if it's because you know it's obviously got to be difficult to to write to continue writing the show i don't know how much of it's already like written out way in advance or like you it know. was all the whole show was written out in advance okay so then at I, least like the overall arc you right. know they they had the plan for what the four seasons were going to be loosely right. uh, before they started the show. Okay. And so it's like, yeah, there's certain things that are changed and things like that that I'm sure go along with it, what they can shoot and whatnot. But for the most part, the the basic, basic bullet points at least were always thought out. Right. And, you know, it's, it just, it's just those sort of things. Again, I have to continue to, to watch it and finish it before I really I, say anything. Um, I'm, I'm debating on whether or not to tell you, like, no, keep watching. Um, but because uh, I don't, I don't want to, you know. Well, you're saying keep watching, right? Away. Yeah, I am okay. saying keep watching. Okay, like, well yeah. then, yeah, that's then that's what hey, I'll do and have because a... they are masterful and that they've done this to me every season where I think the season is just okay. Like I feel like they lost it, like their touch on shit, and then I realize, oh shit, all this like weird off-putting kind of stuff these elements to it i'm like oh shit it was all for a reason so like i've actually i've watched the show multiple times because i'm like oh fuck oh fuck i see how like so much of it was just always intentional and that yeah that that's why like the show impresses me so much just because it was so much like you know adherence to to the to the story of it you know it feels like it was all intentional to me. Yeah, and, I can see a lot of that too. I just, I don't know, like the idea that it's this, that it's just that close, so, I don't know, that close of a circuit of like people involved on the Mr. Robot side, you know, and then like they're just not being more, I don't know, I feel like there would be more attention and more spotlight it'd be more it would have been so difficult for them to get to this point where they are um well yeah i is it it is a show so um, i mean i mean everything in the show you know they 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 do the research to make sure everything is technically possible and that they're like they're not just like doing the csi thing they're like okay well i'm gonna you know hack into the mainframe by using a uh building a new uh gui interface and it's like they're just throwing in all these fucking terms that don't fucking mean anything. Well, see, and, and that's kind of what like it seems and it feels like. Even though, but again, I don't know. It just it has that feeling because it's just like 
all right, well, then there's going to be something extremely outlandish that's just going to, like, override this situation right now. I guess you could say kind of, like, predictable or, you know, you just get used to the twists or, like, whatever happens. You're just like, oh, okay, great. Like, yeah, uh, it's just, you know, him being crazy and he didn't remember himself doing this. Like, he, you can go back and, oh, well, yeah, when he was fucking Mr. Robot, he did this and that's what happened, you know? I, I guess yeah, they were... I mean, it, it gets there, but, you know, I feel like they were always, when I was watching it, they were always a step ahead of me, you know, with that stuff. Because, of course, you come to expect it. Like, I, I figured out that Elliot was Mr. Robot, like, you know, episode five or something like that. And right. then they, they actually say it in episode eight. But then they also had that other twist after episode eight that, that like, in that same episode, like, 20 minutes later. That was like, oh, shit, okay. I mean, it was all like, hey, look at me, this, like, obvious thing that if you've ever seen fucking Fight Club, you'll figure out, like, instantly, sure. yeah. you know? And that's and what then, I mean, the first couple but seasons But then, like, it's like great. they use that to distract you from the fact it's like, oh, shit, you didn't see this part of it over here. When they're like, oh, that's his sister, you know? Right. And, and they've pretty consistently kind of hit me with that the whole time. Because, hmm. like... Yeah, and so I always kind of wait. Like, with this show, I I swear, like, I... There are times where I've said, like, damn, this is the best show I've ever seen. But then I'm like, wait, wait, no, you can't say that. Because I would have said that about Game of Thrones, like, around season four. And then it went on to be terrible and not answer a fuckload of questions that I had. And so I'm still reserving judgment until this show is over. But, like, so far, I'm pretty fucking pumped on it. Okay. Even though there are times where I've doubted it. Now, have you gotten to the episode where it's all one take? Like, one shot? You know, I... Fuck. Because uh, that was my favorite one in season three. Like, it, it's not like a spoiler or anything like that. But there's yeah, an no, that I'm trying to think because... That's all one shot. Like, and it's amazing. I'll have to go back and check it out because a lot of this that I'm watching it is at work when I'm, like, listening to it. And I'm listening to oh, the story. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. And I mean, obviously, that would have a different effect on it. But um, I feel like, you know, it's pretty easy to follow the story through the dialogue. Because that's... Because he's... It's, you know, him explaining everything. He's going around and saying his thoughts out loud, you know. So, um, but yeah, I'll have to, to go back and check it out. Dude, see. it's such a fucking... Mind fuck. I fucking love the way this season started. So, anyways, once you catch up to me, we'll get there. Once the season's done, we'll give everybody a little bit of a buffer time so they can watch it too. But then we're gonna talk about this shit because I fucking love this show. I think it's great. I uh, this far, I think it belongs up there. I'm not sure if it's quite past them yet, but to me, that's almost breaking bad. It's almost breaking bad level. You know? Okay. Yeah, it's I, got I, it's got potential to be there, but I reserve all judgment until the shit's actually done. Okay, yeah, I'll see about because I mean just the way that it is, I I feel like the difference. What I'm saying between the AMC and like the USA was just simply like the way, the cinematography of it as well, like oh. the scenes that like just I don't know that that one scene really especially today threw me off where like the, um, white uh, white rose white or rose white rose but you know as the the Chinese government official um, mm-hmm. is talking to the E Corp guy, and you're just like, you know, this like 
you know, so it's supposed to be so secretive and he, he's like this, you know, person that's so elusive. You can't, nobody knows who he is or she, sorry. But here he is like at an open table, like out loud discussing like his whole plot and his whole plans and how he screwed over the uh, CEO for E-Corp. It's just like, really? Like, you know, you kind of just delegitimize this whole thing for me. But that's a little bit of show, not tell. Yeah. Or uh, tell, not show. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being picky about the shot. I think that it was, it didn't seem as realistic. It kind of put it more on like a TBS, (laughs) you know, USA, you know how there is a difference between like the, the directing styles and the way that those shows. hundred percent a difference. That's what I'm trying to say. Because I, 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 after watching Mr. Robot, I was like, was I wrong about USA shows? And then we put on like, (laughs) pre <laughs> put on burn notice and like an episode of psych and i was like no no we were not wrong about these holy shit these are bad it <laughs> is hilarious how fucking awful some of these networks have been consistently over time it's like maybe one day in like 2024 tv land or some shit like that will come out with a like really good original and then we'll all like take <laughs> them seriously from then on but it's like yo they're making shit now and trust me dude we're not wrong it's fucking bad it's yeah. really fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. USA, like, TNT does not know drama. I can guarantee you that much. That is some bullshit. Right. <laughs> we know drama. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. USA, so, USA should be fucking two-dimensional characters welcome. That should be their slogan. So for me, this be, being that it is a USA show, it's really good. But it is really good as a USA show. Like... The cinematography in Breaking Bad to me is just so much like we were talking about that. And did we talk about uh, El Camino on the last episode? No, we have not talked about that yet because I still have not seen it. Oh, you haven't. Okay. I have not. No. I'm not going to spoil anything about that. But, you know, you had a lot of people uh, complaining about it. And I've heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard people saying things about it. I just have no idea what it's about. Yeah, and I'm not going to spoil it. All I'm going to say is that take into account the amount that it was actually promoted and realize that within that, I think that it's it was perfect for what it was. And I'm not going to go into the details of what happened. Well, I, the first time I ever heard about it was uh, Bob Odenkirk, like seriously, two weeks before it came out, was like talking on a talk show or something like that. And then he's like, oh, yeah, there's a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. And then, and then they were like, wait what there's a breaking bad movie and he's like yeah we already shot it it's like already done what yeah and then it just came out like two weeks later i was yeah. like what the fuck that's the weirdest thing it's like the, nobody I, talked about it i heard like, about it literally like three days before it came out and yeah. i was like excited about it i was thinking breaking Bad, like what is this gonna entail you know and it is i'm i'm not even gonna tell you whether it's something that goes on during or after or whatever it's just for me it was it was perfect, and it, if you're going well, have, into have it, have you seen Better Call Saul? Yeah, uh, for the yeah, actually, I did finish that one. Mm-hmm. Did it? Does it? Does it tie? Does that have anything to do with that? Does it tie in? Well, so Better Call Saul is basically just a prequel to Breaking Bad. It's just yeah. everything no, that goes. I, I on. I love it. I've seen every episode like twice already. Yeah, and so this is this takes place with flashbacks throughout the throughout all of breaking bad but it's it but takes it's like place right after, after. Right? it takes place right after yeah because bas- i saw people being mad about fucking i don't remember his name but i call him meth damon 
Oh. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> people being mad that it's supposed to take place like right after and he's like way fatter now than he was back then or some <laughs> shit. Yeah. And so, I was like, okay. So he was a little bit fatter and Skinny Pete was a little skinnier or at least looked sicker. Um, oh, shit. Also, I don't think it was. So that's Matt. not that's not show meth, is it? <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was Meth Damon that was fatter. I think that it was uh, Badger. Badger was the you know because there were Skinny Pete and Badger, his buddies, Jesse's yeah. buddies. I think Badger was uh, fatter, the like taller. Kind I mean, of just like I mean, fuck, I would not expect that guy of all people to be any skinnier or close to the weight he was by the time like six years seven eight years after the fact no no i mean the continuity like the (laughs) the look though for for being that far away from it was it was pretty amazing that they got it done and it was done very you know it was it was shot for the amount of time for the one it's basically like one really long episode of breaking bad you know and they had to put in a few different parts and there were parts that were to me that had that element of suspense and and enough twists in it to really, you know, like you kind of, it, it was kind of it was realistic in the sense that there was nothing really really crazy with the plot. Like it's pretty simple and straightforward about like what he's trying to do, and it just shows you the few obstacles that come about in between. You know, the time that he is leaving the place to the time that he, you know, ends up getting where he needs to go or doing what he needs to do if he gets there. And, you know, you just, it's, it's a good thing for closure. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's a really kind of just more quiet, um, and that's, and that's what I heard. People were, people were complaining. They're like, what? There wasn't any fucking explosions in this. Like, this is this isn't shit compared to Hobbs and Shaw. And I'm like, okay, sit the fuck down. Like, I can't take your review seriously. Right, because it's um, like, what did you expect? You know, you're taking a whole... I mean, the first few... The first season of Breaking that, it was a very the I pacing love about was better slow. Paul Saul is that they fucking they take their time with everything. Like yes, it's so it, just deliberate, you know? I just I really appreciate it. Just for a whole different reason than I appreciated a lot of Breaking Bad. Well, Breaking Bad took for took its time to get into yeah. like a lot of shit. You know, it was definitely not right away that you were like, you know, experience. So to me, that was like, you know, the difference between a show like The Wire and Breaking Bad. The Wire, you know, being that the reason why I could see that being one of the greatest shows is because of just for for how many actors that they would have to cast and the amazing job that they would do in these situations and the stuff that they were talking about being really like you know just having their shit down about how real it was but it was just like this very ongoing thing all of these multiple stories being told at the same time there wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't like breaking bad where you know some people might want to really focus on you know, a particular character, the psychology of this character, you know, just the lessons that this, you know, character is going through, uh, the anti-hero, you know, what they're going through. And you get a lot of that with The Wire, but it's just so much, it's a whole different it's, it's style of filming. because yeah. The Wire is not really about a character. It's yeah, about the it's failings a, of a system. It's about our politics and the way that we operate as a whole. There's exactly. this hive mind thing and it's no one person. It's fucking all of us. Yeah, and so that, you know, it just depends on what style of uh, cinematography and pacing you prefer. Um, the, the cinematography was the worst part about The Wire. Yeah, you know, and it's... Like, the cinematography was not great. But, and that's the thing, too, like, you got to take into account just how many scenes they're shooting. 
on the right like there's just so many like there's so it just flips around so much and you know you got to appreciate how (laughs) like how much it took for them to cast for all those roles and to get and and it for me what it was was they they, they didn't know that they were gonna have fucking michael b jordan and idris elba and fucking like all these people like in their first roles basically that went on to become fucking crazy famous yeah well that's true it was out for a long time um before then but to, they, Michael I mean, K. they, Williams. they still definitely had to like be good at what they did, and they nailed it, especially with the kids. Oh yeah, you know, with the kids, that those, you know, were the most convincing ones out of everybody. Like the yeah, the kids who played in it. But you, Michael B. Jordan was like twelve years old when he did that shit. Damn, it's like fucking crazy, man. But you, you know, you had a, uh, you had, um, so for me, it's like you know those moments in the wire that were like oh damn you know like the cliffhangers the ones that that right at the end of the episode some shit would happen uh you know it's like holy shit that's that's crazy but then with breaking bad it was more like whoa like that was definitely more of a shock factor for me um yeah watching that i would say so and you know i was so disappointed when um in the wire and sorry if, if this is a spoiler for any of you guys the show's been over for the show's fucking... been out for like 20 years okay yeah. it's yeah. their fucking fault now yeah um shit and i'm forgetting his name right now but my fa- like the the badass uh, outlaw character uh omar you know omar, the way yeah. the way he dies it was great and it wasn't it was kind of like an m night Shyamalan twist where it's like yeah fuck, like like that was good because that's it's like probably fucking... like but you're disappointed because you're like, really? Like, this, like, you're expecting him to go at it with, like, you know, he was to just. had this g- grand exit, the way yeah. he had this grand, just entire way of being. And it's like, no, the fucking brutality of everything that they live. There's no heroes, there's no winners, there's no losers. It's just, you're gone one day over some bullshit, over nothing, you know? And yep. that just fucking happens. And there's going to be no justice for that. And the way that the system works on you know the gang side is that just fucking sets them up to take your place and the cycle just keeps fucking going and going and going and there's nobody out there there's no way to break it you know right so that's one of those things that if anybody tells me you know when it comes down to them saying who what they think their greatest show of all time is you know they go and say if they say the wire then i'm like yeah that's that's uh it's like you know if people were to just go and say like the Beatles, if somebody tells or me the, the mass singer, I'm gonna punch them in the fucking face. <laughs> yeah, or you know, like CSI or some or any, I don't yeah. know. There's just so many other bad shows or yeah. shows that are just uh, like fucking special victims unit and shit like that. It's like no, okay, Mariska Hargate, you calm down, all right? You are a glorious goddess, but you do not like really get to like the show is not great. Yeah. And it's the longest running drama of all time. That's cool. I am legitimately really happy for you, but it's not great. Okay. Another one that I do so think is down. great that that is definitely I don't think will last that long because I don't think that it, there's enough, you know, material or history because being that it's based on true events to last that long. But Mindhunter is really like that one. I liked a lot because oh, it was man. in between. You know, I have like three more episodes in season one and then season two. But I thought that show was fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's in between, you know, all those, because I I typically don't don't like like detective sort of CSI shows like 
you know, that's not really my thing either. Yeah, like all of those shows that we were just bashing on, it's definitely way better than that, and and you know, definitely, um, it's darker and it's like real, obviously, but it's not, per, it's not so slow and dark as like True Detective, like. I loved yeah. the first season of True Detective because Woody and Matthew McConaughey hate together. And the second season was fucking terrible. And absolutely. the third season was actually pretty good, man. Mahershala it, was in it's top just, fucking form. It was just a little too slow for my taste, you know. I liked it. I liked Season three? Yeah, season three. I, I could probably go back and get into it, but at the time, I was just... It, like, that's what I'm saying. The pacing of it, it is dark and it's more ominous and, like, kind of just this mysterious thing, but... It doesn't. It you have to really just be in a mood to sit down and watch and like really pay attention, sort of thing. Okay, I'll give um, you that. I'll give and, you that. Yeah. And you know, with Mindhunter, it's kind of easier to just like stay tuned and get the the gist of it. While, um, and, and I don't even know the guy's name. You're way better with names than I do. But the guy who plays, um, I think it's Hirsch or the guy that plays uh, like the I older. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you who. He was in Fight was. Club. He was the guy that says. His name was Robert Paulson, and he's got that voice, that kind of oh, sound that sounds. Yeah, he was that guy from oh, from. He goes. Okay, His name that, was yeah. Robert Paulson. His he starts the chant. He says in real in Project Mayhem he was Bob, but in real life his name was Robert Paulson, and he's got that yeah. really like that that kind of raspy oh, like Allstate okay. voice. Um, and <laughs> yeah, but he steals the freaking show, man. He's awesome. And the way that they cast the uh, or the people that they casted for the serial killers, oh my god! You know the guy who they had yeah, as some of them were so good. Yeah, the guy who they had playing Ed Kemper was just so spot on, and Manson too. The person who they had playing Manson, I don't think I've ever seen anybody else playing Manson as well as they had him. Supposedly, he was the same Manson that was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, although it was different periods. So they had him looking. You know, because he was in prison, they had him. He was like the slightly older Manson already. You know, already been in prison for a while, and okay. that was like the they. He just absolutely nailed it. Way I better. Caught once upon a time in Hollywood. I was, I'm waiting for it to come to Showbox. It was. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it. That's and, how I feel about a lot of Tarantino movies that people are like, like, oh my god, like shitting themselves over, like. Like Inglorious Bastards. Like, I liked it. But, you know, that tone's very intentional. I did like, I liked Inglorious Bastards uh, a little bit more. I felt that that was uh, more Tarantino in the way that it was just very, you know, alternative to actual history and, you know. Even the movies I love, like Django, like there are certain scenes in that where I'm just like, what the, what the fuck is this? Like, what, what do you mean? Here? What do you mean? Like, like, I don't know. Some of it's just too fucking, like, like the rule to me, Tarantino sets up rules in his universe and like the way people act and what people do and then doesn't follow through on them sometimes. So and give me an example. Kinda, um, like I remember in when it, the first time I watched Django, like there's that scene where I think he gets caught and they just play Rick Ross while Tarantino himself is like carrying Jamie Foxx back to that shack. And it's just like, what? And then the movie just kind of goes off the rails from there for me because I'm like, yeah, this doesn't, 
there there was nothing to establish this there's no tone that was set here it's just oh we're just gonna do this weird thing and it's like sometimes i feel like he just does that and everybody gives him credit for being a genius who's thinking like way up there where i'm just like i don't know it just felt like unintentional you know i feel like you just kind of slip that in there I can't and, really I can't really imagine what you're talking about right now. I mean, I know the scene, but like I don't know where it went. Um I don't know where it's like I, I remember specifically like what made me think about it was that like just Rick Ross for the like just starts playing, just bumping in that in that scene. And it's like everything else up until that point had been scored like a classic western. And then it's like, "Oh, okay." And then you just fucking hit us with this shit. Where it's just going to turn. And I don't know. It just felt weird out of place for me. And that kind of like informed a lot of the scene and then the rest of the movie where it was just kind of, it was cartoonish, you know? And not that I have a problem with that necessarily, but I remember that being like, okay, yeah, there's the moment, you know? I feel like Tarantino always had, like, I feel like there was a lot of those for me in Glorious Bastards and a few other ones that I've seen where there's just a moment in there. It's just like, like, I know this is your style. This is your thing. This is like what you do, but it's just like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, like, booga, 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 just, like, do some just weird shit for the sake of just doing weird shit, and it just doesn't feel, I don't know, doesn't feel like it was well thought out to me. Okay. I mean, but I... But I know that's, like, a personal opinion. I know people sure. love that shit, and I know that I'm, like, not the majority holder there, but I eh, I don't care for it. Well, it makes sense. I, I mean, the fact that it did start off being scored in, like, a traditional spaghetti western fashion um and then it goes into that i guess i didn't really think about that too much i didn't, i wasn't too shocked or surprised at that um in glorious bastards i i mean that was kind of like part of to me what tarantino does uh actually the hateful eight though i loved yeah i'll give him that one that the was hateful... one where i don't feel like i got that i never really got that sense you know because he did keep that out of it he didn't really oh wait bring yeah in... no wait hold on i'm sorry he did he did there's a couple points where it's just like what the fuck are you doing but at this point, I've come to expect it. Maybe I'm just going more tolerant of, like, the weird shit that he does over the years. Because <laughs> I always feel a little bit better about each movie. So I need to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe that'll be the first one where I see it. I'm just like, okay, that was good. That was consistent all the way through. Yeah, well, it's not... it. If what you're saying about the other ones is what bothers you, you might actually like this one better. Because I think that my mixed feelings about it the parts of me not liking it were due to the fact that it just didn't have that sort of extra animated oomph that the other ones did, you know, that kind of, that like, Uh kind of like, to me, I kind of like that, like flip where it changes and it becomes signature to Tarantino. Um, you know, something that you really just like remember the film by. And so this one, um, I don't know. It felt it was shot amazingly. I just didn't really identify as much with. I get that it was more of like a piece for him because he was he was kind of like you know glorifying or really putting a spotlight on a on a period in in Hollywood, which you know he obviously probably looked up to or was really uh, you know paid attention to with certain idols of his own or famous actors who apparently that Leonardo was supposed to be portraying and uh you know it's just it's definitely an alternate twist to what really happened 
um, with the Tate and Manson, um, with the Manson family murders and stuff. Um, well, I, I did enjoy his his twist and what happened with Hitler, so I'll, right. I'll take him up on that. Right, right, and so, but this one doesn't really have like that sort of punch that the Inglorious Bastards did for me. I thought the reason why I loved Inglorious Bastards is because you have um, the opening scene, which was just so extremely cinematic to me, and you know where uh, Christoph Waltz is he's speaking multiple languages and getting into like it just kind of starts it's off that way you're like and, intense and then and just builds and builds yeah. yeah and then now you you have this like holy fuck this guy's gnarly you know like and then the other guy within the scene when they're in the basement of the bar of that pub you know the guy who uh basically spots two, out that there's a spy like the way you put the three that spots it out yeah and that scene you know was definitely like so, so stuff like that makes those movies worth it this one didn't really have as much of that and in fact there was actually a scene that was really popular where um brad pitt you know being a stuntman he like is there with bruce lee uh I, you know i i think you might be on something when you say that like the parts that I'm describing are things that like I don't like about the Tarantino movies that you said there are less of. Because yeah. like those two scenes are scenes that I'm like, that's why I don't like in the Glorious Bastards. Those two really scenes. interesting. Yeah, interesting. I thought that those that that's exactly what I loved about those movies. Um, I thought that they were just freaking amazing. I don't know. And anyway, to me, they just it just stunk of like, oh, I'm so smart. Look at me. You know. That we're just gonna do this really intentional, weird avant-garde shit. And I'm just like, come on, like treat your audience like they've got have like two synapses to run together, you know? Like those two things, I, those two scenes actually were like big examples for me, of where I'm just like, yeah, I feel like this shit is just like, ooh, it's my freshman year at college and I've got a Pulp Fiction poster on my window, you know, or on my fucking dorm room, and it's like. I don't know. Something about those two things just like rubs me the wrong way. Huh. You know? I, I see. I'm on the exact opposite. And I thought that that shit was what keeps it, you know, a, like alive and signature to him. It's very like, oh, shit, this is a Tarantino like showdown right here. You know, or yeah, this that, is is a... that is signature to him. I will give him that. And there are like other times where it's been done. But it's like I feel like with some shit like Kill Bill or where something like goes into that. It's like, well, the whole thing's been a cartoon. So, like, this makes sense and fits within it, you know? Right. Well, and so, yeah, I guess you could say that's what I like about it. Even, uh, I would probably say the only time I, I don't really like that was in uh, in uh, From Dust Till Dawn, which was a collab between him and Robert Rodriguez, where, oh, like, man. you know, like, that's we all... That's great... That's a yeah. TV show, too, do you know? Oh, yeah. I didn't watch that, though, but, uh, oh, you man. know, we watched... We, we watched... Uh, at, we went to a cabin for Applebee's birthday like last year and we watched that from start to finish from dusk till dawn and it was just so bad but like I it's like intense Rodriguez. it's so bad at the end it's just Dude, so the fucking the grindhouse is one of my favorite shits ever yeah those at a movie theater those are great uh the you know the bulletproof uh was freaking awesome um Machete. Little, little short, and well, yeah, those ones were just were, were really fun, and you know, like that's why I like that. Terrence, I love you know, not Nicholas afraid to go Cage into that. Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's like dark meat, white meat, all but, will be cut. But you got <laughs> from dusk till dawn. I mean, uh, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, it to me felt like 
he kind of became more like a Coen Brothers. <laughs> like, so it was shot really nice, you know, like, yeah. like a Coen Brothers film. Okay. And but it still had certain elements of it. It, it kind of reminded me of like the overall theme a little bit or the way that it was showcasing Hollywood at that particular time kind of almost like how um, one um, Hail Caesar did for an, a slightly earlier time in Hollywood okay there kind of like wasn't it. there kind of wasn't really like you know a main main point to it it just kind of showed it went into this and, and showed you a little bit of what was going on in a short amount of time um, with Brad Pitt's character kind of at the end of his you know, like already after he was, he was kind of at the end of his career, just, you know, not really a prominent um, figure anymore because he's just getting older, you know, kind of like, well, you know, on that note, fuck, you totally just reminded me of something I watched this week on that just came to Netflix, uh, the laundromat. Have you ever seen that? I did. Yeah. I watched it the other day. Oh uh, man. Yeah. No, I, I liked it actually. Like I, I didn't, I thought there were, I had some problems with it. You know, uh, Gary Oldman like, kind of bugged me. The whole, really, like, I thought it, I thought it was funny. You know, I thought it was like very like tongue in cheek. Like I'm gonna just do this fucking outrageous. I saw what they were going. For. I accent. saw what I saw what they were going for, and it kind of just seemed overdone for me. Kind of like what well, you were just, I, just. I feel like it was supposed to be a play. You know, well, that, that's what it seemed. Everything like. was so expressionist. You know. Yeah, and were, like. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying there were there were parts that I liked, but it kind of seemed like to me what you were describing about the things you didn't like about Tarantino, uh, like where it would just you know like you thought that it was I guess you could say pretentious, um, you know, it was. It uh, seemed... See, see, it like like my thing is is like if you're gonna do that, do it. You know, don't go halfway in. You know, like yeah. like establish what you are and what the fuck you're doing, and then just stick with it. You know, pick a lane. And that, I think, to me, is, like, there. Because, like, that I thought was fantastic because they show you what they are on their face, you know? You have Gary Oldman doing this fucking stupid accent. And it's like, okay. And then they're, like, they're doing it. I don't know. It, it, it felt like a live play. Because everything they're doing where they're just they're walking in and out of different, uh, uh, its own story. And, like, the way everything's kind of amorphous, you know? And the right. way Meryl Streep is very obviously playing two characters and then takes her wig off at the end of the movie like it's some big fucking reveal okay yeah that's uh <laughs> that i thought that was fucking stupid I yeah that. there, that, there are that's parts kind of, of that that's kind like, of but... what killed it for me too at the very end when she did that because it was like you're uh, very clearly like ah uh, i don't know it just it just you no kinda... that, that bugged me too because like uh, immediately brie was like that's still uh, me, me. Me and her both were like, "That's still Meryl Streep." And I'm like, "Wait, no, it's wait, it's yeah." And then I'm like, oh, "Okay, they're try they're making it obvious because they were like cutting between her, like the two versions of her, like directly in the shot, like shot the shot." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, no, they're they're trying to fucking tell us." And there's like, there's no subtlety to the movie, but like, it was still definitely enjoyable for me. And I'm glad somebody made a movie about that shit because I remember when the Panama Papers came out and it was in the news cycle for like literally two weeks and then just vanished. And I was like, what the fuck? Like we just had 
hard proof. About I've got to say that you are probably the only fucking person I know personally that dude. I was that fucking furious that, that the Panama say, Papers came out and then just nobody gave a shit and everybody like forgot about it. The only and then I say person. the Panama Papers and everybody's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I'm like, I don't even think you could. God damn it! I don't even. This think was you like could say that two people years forgot ago. about it because I don't think I think nine out of ten people. No, nine and a half out of ten people over here would be like, what? It's like, like yo, we-, we have objective proof that, like, every billionaire in the entire world is colluding with each other to fucking run the government. Like, this is the Illuminati. Like, we have it. We're here. We're looking at this shit and how they're fucking the rest of us over. And then nothing. Just nothing. I'm like, well, fuck, all right. Are we all just going to go back to pretending that the world is fair? No? Uh, yeah? Uh, okay. Cool, I guess. Man. So, we need people like the... I uh, fucking... I forget that guy's name. But, he uh, like, the wannabe Cohen brother. He's the Cohen triplet, I call him. Because he made shit like The Informant with Matt Damon. And yeah. it's like, oh, he's like going for it, but he doesn't. This was quite very much on there. that same. This was very much on that same vibe where like Brie those... actually, she guessed it before we even looked it up. She's like, this feels like the informant, and I'm like, oh, sh-. and I'm like, let me look this up, and she fucking nailed it. Like it was the same guy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it it's, feels it's, like the Cohen triplet. It is absolutely those, except. He doesn't nail it the way the Coen brothers do. Like, there's something missing. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I feel like he's going for that, but he doesn't quite make it there. Because it did have a lot of a feel for, like, a Coen brothers uh, film, definitely. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to tell you, have you seen the show Trust? I have not. That's on Hulu. That is a damn good show. There was actually, it's about the, the Getty Ransom, which I knew nothing about. Um, and I, so I knew that there was a movie, so the Getty Ransom, oh, okay, so I'm surprised you didn't know about this. Back in the seventies, there was a ransom for Jean-Paul Getty the third, um, or was his name Jean-Paul? Okay. So there's Jean-Paul senior, the, the main Getty, the big oil tycoon dude that like, you know, created the Getty empire. And then you have his son, um, John called John Paul Getty Jr. and then there was yeah I think it was John Paul the the third who was um, held for ransom in uh, Italy and it's this crazy like saga of a story that like basically uh, so he his son John Paul Senior like met his son later in life and he had him come work for him. So he he didn't grow up with him because John Paul Getty Sr. was like a total, like the worst person in the world. Like I know that it's harder to imagine people more loathsome than like, you know, like Trump or anybody like this guy's like, like a billion times more loathsome than that guy. Because like this guy's like a guy who would like, you would just like, what the fuck? Like this is just the worst person alive. You know, he's the epitome of everything that's wrong with like the 1% of of people in the world that control everything. Mm -hmm. Um, he, you know, he's just the most fucking cruel, heartless person, like even to his family, the way he treats them and stuff. And so, you know, he takes on his son because oh, what, what the reason why he has this lady, uh, this son is because he just has like these mistresses, like, and he makes them all like sign, like they're all 
like aware of each other. They're so they're not even mistresses. They're just like people, like women that he would have around for is it you know, harem? Like yeah, yeah. So like it's just like one's his like like a slightly like only forty years younger than him maybe, but still older woman that like you know fits like a specific need. Then he's got like. The young, really, really young, like, you know, attractive, like, Spanish, like, girl. like, And they all just sit around and get pampered and taken care of or whatever. So this guy was the product of some lady who ended up coming into his life later. And he ended up giving a chance to work overseas in Italy for him. So, you know, through all of this stuff that happens, he, um, you know, his son, who uh, is the grandson... Um, he's living out there in Italy with him and kind of just goes off because he, he his parents get divorced because of all the pressure that was like going on with his dad. His dad gets into drugs and all this stuff. So then the son becomes like this, you know, hippie kind of guy that starts running around doing his own thing at the age of like 15 and he like gets abducted or he's, he's basically like hanging around the crowds and stuff and he like owes all this money not that much money but like like six thousand dollars or whatever which is a lot for us but you know considerably for for him not that much money to these people and then it starts off with like kind of like a fake ransom thing and uh, this like uh yeah. mafia this right. this well, crime family I in italy basically like you know they're they're from like a so let's a poor try to um, call him back area in the middle of that story they um, base that's okay. We're still rolling. Hello? Just Yo. Yo. Okay. I don't know what that was. All right. Well, let me clap us back in. One, two, three. Okay. So, ba- cool. so basically... We're clap back in. Um, we are at like an hour and five minutes, so we're almost... All right. uh, I'll finish yeah. it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, he... So long story short is they he gets abducted by this, this family and they send out this ransom and Jean-Paul Getty senior is like, no, I'm not going to pay it because I have all these other grandkids. If I like pay this, then, you know, they're all going to be subject to being like kidnapped. And it was just like so cruel the way that it went about it. Like, you know, they tried so hard and like he, the, the grandson wasn't surprised in any way that they wouldn't give up any money for it, you know? And like, it just became this whole thing of back and forth and they negotiated on it. And then, so he agreed that he was going, he agreed to get them to like, cause originally they wanted like 17 million and then they like settled on 5 million. So he agreed for them to settle on that, but then was going to put it on the son to pay for it. So he was going to get, he was going to uh, loan his son money from the trust at an interest rate paid back to the trust. So he was going to profit off of, a, like off of his grandson's ransom from his son. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, like, like, dude, like you're talking like the most like vile, evil kind of guy Money there was. Is a disease, dude. Well, yeah, billionaires just... are fucking z- the modern day equivalent of zombies. And at one point, they... you know, he was he was yeah. like thought to be the richest man in the world. Um, at I think during this time. And uh, it talks also, like, you could see toward the end how the Getty Museum was, like, his big baby, his opus, but it definitely was met um, with really shitty reviews from critics, which really, like, kind of ultimately broke his heart, along with everything else kind of collapsing. Like, there's, like, a whole point to the end of the story that, like, you know, you're... uh, 
it's it's doesn't I don't know I I feel like I'm pretty much giving this whole thing away, um, but yeah, definitely I don't feel watch like I have it. To watch it anymore. What was it called again? It's called Trust. You definitely would like it. Trust me. Okay. I'm not giving everything away. It's on Hulu. I'm just okay. giving I'm just giving you the stuff that you could easily look up anyways. That already like this is all it's already happened. This is part of history. Um, okay. But I could say that I'll probably never go to the Getty Museum again because fuck that guy interesting yeah like just like you know like i don't have first of all i don't even like that style of art that you know fucking that period of art anyways i could give a shit less about that but this really like after seeing this is like why would anybody fucking support you know something that this fucking guy created or did anyway uh, well that's dope actually that kind of uh, segues really nicely into the one thing that I really wanted to uh, get in, which was this fucking dope ass Twitter thread from uh, one of the time editors at large, uh, Anand Girdas. Uh, Girdas. I don't know how to say his name right, but um, he's dope as shit. I fucking follow this guy on Twitter. I love his it, the things that he writes and the way he talks about things. And he went on this rant about Mark Zuckerberg and billionaires in general that I thought just so eloquently and beautifully put it down. And I wanted to make sure I, I, I squeezed this in before the end of the show here because I know we're running up a little late. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg came to uh, Capitol Hill today, actually, to talk. And he his deposition went terribly. And, you know, who fucking crushed him was AOC. Like, people don't understand how good she is at her job. Because when she was, like, fucking questioning Mark Zuckerberg, he was sweating. She fucking turned the screws on him. And rightfully so, because he is a bastard. All right? So let me let me, let me me start in. It's it's a little lengthy, but I, I do want to go into this because I, I thought it was perfect. So this is from uh, Anand Giddas. Okay. He says, and here we go. Mark Zuckerberg uses his philanthropy to justify keeping his giant fortune. And this billionaire says this on a TV network owned uh, owned by a billionaire, which then is written up in a newspaper owned by yet another billionaire. And this is so important because the smoking gun we are finally seeing again and again is these malefactors of wealth are more and more openly using their philanthropy to justify inequality. And this is why, quote, giving back can be such a complicated thing. Because when it is used in this way to stave off real change and to protect a potential criminal offender against American democracy from true justice, his philanthropy may leave us worse off than if he hadn't done it at all. See, he's invoking some vague idea of pluralism that makes no sense. Having rich folks keep more of their wealth so we can have more diverse approaches to public health ignores how that social model is behind so much of our ill health to begin with. See, it is corporations and plutocrats making and hoarding money in extreme ways that cause so much of the stress, anxiety, precarity, diabetes, heart disease, and overdoses our society battles. If billionaires were taxed more, we wouldn't have so many problems for them to fucking fix. For the past year, I haven't heard from the Plutus' dwindling band of defenders, quote, well, sure, it would better be better to have a different system, but we have this system now, and at least it's better than they do something and fund good causes, quote, uh, here's why maybe not. Because whether it's Michael Dell at Davos or Mike Bloomberg at the Gun Safety Forum or Zuckerberg on Fox News, the philanthropy is explicitly being used to justify inequality. Without the system, we are told you wouldn't have Dell Charity, Bloomberg Forums, Zuck's Research so piped down. So the philanthropy and the system that makes it possible are inextric- inextricably linked. 
we can sit back and appreciate acts of do-gooding and isolation because they're both used to justify a system that sickens, shafts, starves, and kills at a greater scale than charity can ever fix. We also have to talk about how flagrantly anti-democratic Zuck's rhetoric is. Giving Trump a platform and boost in 2016 wasn't <coughs> Zuck wants to undermine creative, uh, to undermine democracy in creative new ways. His argument is that letting the plutes keep their wealth is good because then they can have it, they can give it away in diverse ways. Competition and pluralism will be at work, but we have a way for diverse ideas to compete, and it's called democracy. Having six white, rich white guys splurge on public health philanthropies is here cast as pluralism, checked by competitive pressure. Whereas having the elected representatives of hundreds of millions of people deliberate on the use of resources is portrayed as unaccountable. And as economist Robert Reich said, and others have pointed out, however, philanthropy is uniquely unaccountable and not subject to competition. So if Zuck has the money to spend, he can spend it on any research approach, and neither elections nor others' relative successes will get in his way. What you have here is a man who has gotten rich owning a monopoly that polarizes us and corrodes democracy, leaving cyber war unthwarted for the sake of his growth lust, and then insists that we have to have his to leave his tyranny money alone so that he can fight diseases. But he is our plague. See, not all the philanthropists are harm doers, let's be clear, but so many of the great harm doers of our time have leveraged philanthropy to keep harming us and keep their spoils. Kill with opioids, rape girls, erode democracy, exploit workers, give back, self-justify, rinse, and repeat. And as Jane Mayer of the New York Times so masterfully, chronicled, so masterfully chronicled in Dark Money, much of the radical right's conquest of America was perpetuated through the instrument of philanthropy. Climate denial, crackdowns on reproductive rights, nativist hysteria, all brought to you by philanthropy. There was good philanthropic work being done in every corner of the earth, to be sure. But the portal it uses is also being used at much greater scale to cause problems. It is time to end the plutocracy that makes us depend on our zucks. Mark Zuckerberg is saying the quiet part out loud here. That this is a media sales pitch to America. Nice society you got there. Full of diseases I could fund research to cure. Be ashamed if anything happened to the fortune doing that funding. And... That is what Michael Dell says at Davos when asked about uh, AOC's marginal tax rate uh, increase proposal. Nice society you got there, full of needy people. Be a shame if you tax away my foundation that could help them. And that is what Mike Bloomberg said to Elizabeth Warren the other day. Nice society you got there with this important gun safety forum. Be a shame if you wealth taxed away the money that could have otherwise gone to fund this forum. Because see, if you move toward creating a fair society at our expense, these plutocrats are saying we will stop funding the treatment in the si <laughs> stop funding the treatment of the systems of the disease we are helping to cause, which would be just fine after all. Wow! And now I know that's a lot. That was that was a long thing, but <laughs> goddamn, I thought it very beautifully captured this idea that I've been very obsessed with. That charity and philanthropy is—it's all a fucking ruse, man. Because these people are using this to continue with a system that fucking breaks us all down to its core. Because this idea that there is this, you know, we're, we're living in this era of zero sum where we can't possibly afford to take care of all of us, each of us, in a way, is fucking bullshit. All right? 
They're fucking hoarding money. And in closing, I just wanted to say, eat the rich. Now, we are out of time. I hope I left you with something good here, kids. And I want to remind you to subscribe to the show and listen to it each and every Thursday as I blast it right into your ear holes. And don't forget to tell a friend. Don't forget to tell your mom. Don't forget to tell your grandma. And you know what? Just don't tell my neighbor Jeff because he's a fucking dick. And I don't need to hear him talking all the shit I've been talking on him. Okay? And if you guys <laughs> need to find us on social media, you can check us out at Let It Bleed Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to see myself rambling, uh, like all the screaming I did about Matt Gates, which I did not have time to talk about today, you can check me out on Twitter at Phil Nobody Cares. And for Instagram, you just flip that around at Nobody Cares Phil. David, my friend, where well, can they find you? If you want to catch me doing all the typical hood rat shit that I'm part of doing, you should just follow me on Hood Rat Stuff with that's Hood Rat Stuff with three Fs on Instagram. Uh, the Psychedelic Lions Den been putting up some amazing art so just uh bless your eye holes with the color and psychedelic uh beauty that i just put out there for you guys each day um uh, psychedelic underscore lions underscore den and then uh yeah just stay tuned for a few more things we've got the b-side event coming up tomorrow night out in la it's going to be their last show that they're doing uh by themselves that you know they're going to continue to do some collaborative shows but this will be the last show um, as, as far as what he's just announced recently for reasons I'm not sure of. But, you know, if you haven't had a chance to get out there, it's, it's you know, <coughs> next to Mutate and next to um, uh, Bass Waffles. Uh, it is, if you're into the underground bass music scene, this is this is the scene. This is the, the thing that, you know, it's been going on ever since Low End Theory went away. So it's, it's going to be sad to have them kind of not doing it anymore so if you haven't or even if you have and you know about it come check it out it's definitely going to be something to be remembered and dress up hope uh you know anything halloween obviously but star wars um is is key so come out for that and then we have art in the park on sunday so uh this one is monsters of love theme come out and do your best monster painting drawing dance uh you know make a monster song write a monster poem just be a fucking monster of love and just go love everybody you know get out it's there gonna be a mash. get out there and mash it up in this real world you know despite all the craziness all the nastiness that's going on out there the one thing that you do have power over is the way that you react to these things and the way that you can help spread you know as much positivity out there because it's it really will depend i believe on on that you know despite understanding that things are not okay you can you know do whatever you can to to make them as okay in your your everyday life if make it better you know for everybody I don't don't yeah don't just go out and try to to solve the problem on a whole you know start from within you know do what you can to help people uh and and help yourself you know so that you can help people uh that's my encouragement for all of you guys out there thank you for tuning in and listening to us ramble about absolutely nothing is there anything else you need to say phil i think <coughs> i am good for right now my man all right well then i'm just gonna go ahead and leave it at that i will catch you all freaking later as always let it be